What's up, Bucks fans? It's Creamsicle Week. Bucks are back in action after going off their bye week last week. They play the Detroit Lions in Tampa this week. Game got flexed from a 1 o'clock to a 4.15 start. So a lot of excitement around the around the nation about this Bucks team, about this Detroit Lions team, two teams that have really surprised um, and, and put themselves in a good position to win. We had Joe Tryon Schrenk on our earlier episode this week. Was super excited to have him on. A lot of good information from him. Learned a lot about him as a player and some things that he likes to do off the field. So that was fun. If you missed that episode, make sure to go back and check it out. But today we have a very special guest. We'll be talking to Detroit Lions former uh, free sa- free safety, all pro, Pro Bowl, Glover Quinn. He'll be breaking down the Detroit Lions behind enemy lines on that segment. We'll jump into it here and we'll come right back. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. Pirate Parlay. Battle intercepted, picked off at the end zone. Bucks are going to beat the Chiefs. We're the champions of the world. The sickest Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. It's going to be sick. Welcome back to the show. Like I said, it's Cream School Week, so I've got my Cream School on. Uh, it's going to be a fun matchup. This is kind of a litmus test for the Buccaneers. You know, they had uh, an earlier matchup against the Eagles, which was a very tough opponent. Um, you know, they're coming up winning the NFC championship uh, and, and one of the top teams in the NFC as a whole. Uh, this Detroit Lions team has really kind of, uh, they've had high expectations put on this season. Uh, they went into the draft, made a lot of good moves. Same thing in free agency. So there's a lot of expectations on this Detroit Lions team, but I wouldn't put them in the same class yet as a team like the Eagles or the 49ers. So this will be a good test for the Buccaneers. The, on the other side, the Lions haven't really been tested by a team. They played the Chiefs on opening night, but that game is such a wash because both of those teams are obviously coming into the season a little bit rusty. Um, this kinks the workout. Huge win by them to open up the season. Uh, so far, they've got four wins. Their only loss coming against the Seattle Seahawks in overtime, um, which was a good test for them, and I think matches up kind of where the Bucks are. So... It's going to be interesting. We'll break all that down. We're going to bring our guest in, former free safety for the Detroit Lions, Pro Bowl, All-Pro, Glover Quinn. Bring him in. Excited to get into this matchup. And Glover, how are we doing today? Man, we're doing good, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on here. Um, I just want to ask you, first and foremost, this Lions team uh, has kind of, it feels like it's America's darling. You know, everyone's rooting for them. What's different about this this Lions team than what, what people are used to in the past? Well, I mean, I think, um, you know, last year when they got a chance to do the hard knocks, you know, um, most football fans watch hard knocks, whether that's your team yeah. on it or not. You kind of watch it. And so once you get to know people's stories and get to see the the backstories of a lot of teams and people, sometimes you can kind of like start to root for them a little bit. And the Lions have been underdogs for so long. Um, and so when you finally get, you know, a chance to say, you know what, these guys are a little different. I kind of like them. I like the quarterback or I like the coach or, you know, they work hard or whatever it is. Um, it could change your perception a little bit, right? Most of the time people probably just seen, um, you know, the team not doing well, you see the struggle in the city and this and this and that, you just kind of lump it all together. 
And so they've had a chance to get on hard knocks and kind of change that up and had high expectations last year. Didn't live up to it early in the season, but then they finished the season on a very high note. And then they've won on national TV the last three times. They beat Green Bay the last game of the season. They opened up with Kansas City and beat them. And then they came back and beat Green Bay again. And so once you start to see them play well on national TV, now you start to say, okay, man, this team looks, they look pretty good. And so um, I think a lot of people are rooting for them just to finally get over the hump a little bit and have some success. Um, So it's been good. Yeah, it seems like this Lions team, for the first time in a long time, is a team that has pieces on both sides. You know, you go back, you know, through, you know, the years with, with the Lions history, and it's always been, they've been really good on defense or really good on offense, and it's never kind of linked up at the same time. I mean, I remember I've always kind of rooted for the Lions a little bit, going back to the Joey Harrington days. Uh, um, you know, I've kind of picked them as one of my secondary teams just because of the, the grit they always show and, and you know, the, the grind that they always put in. And, like I said, it's always hasn't been matched up. But this year, it seems like on both sides of the ball, there's immense amount of talent, and it's kind of they're playing complementary football right now. Yeah, they're playing really good. You know, I think you know for me, the last time I can remember us having probably a good, good offense and a good defense would probably be you know 2014. I think we were top five in both. We just you know we had a young Aaron, well not young, but just a a good in his prime Aaron Rodgers in our division. And, um, you know, we end up, we end up playing green Bay the last game of the season. Uh, and basically a winner take all game for the division. And we played them in green Bay and they actually won that game. And so instead of us winning the division, we actually got the wild card and go to Dallas and had a controversial game down there. And so, right. That played out that way. But this team right here, they are very good offensively and defensively. They have great weapons offensively, a ton of weapons offensively from the receivers to the tight ends to the running backs. You know, Jameer Gibbs didn't play last week dealing with a hamstring injury. Hopefully he'll be back soon. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown didn't play last week dealing with an abdomen injury. And those guys still put up 42 points without two, you know, big superstars. And, you know, they just got – well, I wouldn't say superstars, but two big stars, right? And then, you know, Jamison Williamson just came back last week. He only had two catches for two yards. So he didn't even get to be explosive in the game. And like I said, they still put up 42 points. You know, they got contributions from uh, Craig Reynolds, came in as a running back, looked good. Um, Khalif Raymond has has been showing up all year with big plays. Sam Laporta still doing his thing as a tight end. Um, Josh Reynolds catching passes, catching touchdowns. So they got a lot of guys offensively, and I think Jared Goff spreads the ball around well because he doesn't have just that one superstar like a Megatron or like a, you know, a guy that you're trying to get the ball to, you know, 15 times like a Jamar Chase, right? He's kind of spreading the ball around to the open guys, and they're all playing their role and blocking the well for the running game. And so they, they look really good offensively. And defensively, they've been playing well too. They're getting turnovers. Um, that's been one of the things that hurt them, just not being able to create a lot of turnovers. In the last few games, they've been getting interceptions, fumbles. Um, Aiden Hutchinson has been playing great. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Jacobs in the, uh, in the defensive secondary, he has three interceptions in the last two games. So he's been playing well. They lost CJ Gardner Johnson, who was a big free agent acquisition for those guys. Um, but Tracy, Tracy Walker was a guy that they paid a couple years ago. So he's a good player, good starter for him. 
Kirby Joseph had, you know, three or four interceptions last year, maybe five. Um, so they got some playmakers defensively. And, you know, I think up front, though, the the pressure that they've been able to cause with Aiden Hutchinson and, you know, some of those guys on the interior line being able to stop the run and make teams one-dimensional when your team is scoring points puts a lot of pressure on you. Right. I think when you when you look at it, one of the storylines, too, of this Lions team is Jared Goff and his career resurgence, right? What is it about this system, about Ben Johnson's system, that has, you know, kind of taken Jared Goff as an afterthought, you know, a kick-in, if you will, in that trade with the, with the Rams into – a real playmaker and someone who's been dangerous with the ball and, and being able to spread it out to so many options. Well, I mean, I, I think that's, the, I think that's his personality. He seems like a, you know, just a chill laid back type of guy. And so sometimes being in the right environment, the right system is better for, you, you know what I'm saying? LA is, you know, it's a huge market, big market, like big, whatever. Right. And sometimes, you know, going to a smaller place like Detroit, you know, puts a little chip on your shoulder, fits your personality, you know, you just kind of go under the radar for a little bit, but you just continue to play well and you gain your respect that way as opposed to just being on a team like a Rams or a New York team in the big media. And now you got the expectations of doing certain things, right? It's like, you know, when you are a first rounder, you're expected to do certain things. When you are a fifth or sixth rounder, you're not like, right. I mean, and I, and I know we're talking about our game, but the way Brock Purdy is playing in San Francisco, if he was the number one overall pick, we would be saying that's probably what he's supposed to do. Right. Right. The fact that he was the last pick is like, right. man, he's playing out of his mind because you didn't expect that from him. Right. Um, So that's that's kind of how it is. And Jared Goff has been excelling on and off the field. He's been a great leader for those guys in the locker room. Um, I think Ben Johnson, his play style, his play call in the run game, you know, when they can get the run game going, that takes a lot of pressure off of Jared Goff to where they can get the play action. They keep you off balance with all types of trick plays and runs and passes and screens and deep shots and stuff like that. But a lot of it is predicated based off getting the run game going and being able to play good defense. You you talk about that defense and and another guy who's having a, a great year, um, Adrian Aiden Hutchinson uh, is off to a fantastic start. What about him? Have you seen from you know last year, his rookie year to this year, that jump that's allowed him to play just dominant? I mean, the one-handed interception last uh, in the last game against the Panthers. What have you seen from him? You know, watching him, love covering him locally. Well, I mean, he he just been playing well. You know, he 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 looks like he's made the jump. Um, he looks smarter, more mature player. Looks stronger out there more aware of what's going on and not being a robot, but being able to play football, seeing plays and diagnosing plays and going to make plays. And so that's really what you want to see. A lot of times when they come in as a rookie, they're kind of like robots. They're doing exactly what the coach tells them to do. Stick your hand here, do this and this and that. And then once they learn how to play, now you really get to start to see their talent and their skill because now they're just playing football. They're not thinking about the plays. They're not thinking about – this te stunt or this you know this this whatever right. this game i need to run they're not really thinking about any of those things they're just going out and actually playing they know what they're doing they know what they're supposed to be doing and once you know what you're doing well enough you can spend more time worrying about what the offense is doing to you right you can you can say hey you know what i know my job well enough 
that I can pay attention to the running backs that are in the game. I can pay attention to this or that. When you don't know what you're doing, you kind of think, okay, what I got? Okay, I got this. All right. And then you miss like little small clues or hints that'll tell you what's what's going on. And so a lot of times you want to see that from the from the first year to the second year. And I think we're seeing that with Aiden this year. We got a couple of rookies though this year who don't even seem like they're going through that process. A guy like Sam Laporta has just kind of exploded onto the scene at tight end. Um, obviously, you mentioned Jam- Jameer Gibbs, who missed last week, but he, he still want to get his opportunities. You can see why he was a first-rounder. His speed, his athleticism is, is next level. But another guy who, who fell into the second round, shockingly, uh, Brian Branch, someone who plays you know, the position you play. What have you seen out of these guys that have just kind of let them play you know, out of the gate so quickly and be disruptive playmakers and, and forces that teams have to deal with? Well, I mean, that's just, you know, I feel like that's just good drafting. You know, yeah. you're just finding guys that, you know, for one, love to play football and for two, fit your system and what you're trying to do and having a role for him. Um, I think Sam Porter is a good tight end. He's he's agile. He's fast. He's big. Um, he's a receiving type of guy. And, you know, I, I think, you know, Iowa has a pretty good pedigree of, of tight end type players. And, you know, he he fits that, you know, yeah. Brian. He played at Alabama, high-level school. You know, he's a safety, but he can play in the slot. He can play in the nickel. So that gives you added run support, having a safety up there as opposed to a corner. Mm. But he also can cover like a corner and cover tight ends for you. He can cover slot receivers for you. So him being able to play that position and man that down helps you out tremendously defensively. Um and like I said, him playing at Alabama, he's played against high level competition. He's played in a high level system. So he was able to come in and, and fit right in. And then Jameer Gibbs being another kid that played at Alabama. You know, he was at Georgia Tech, I think, went to Alabama. But he's a high, you know, quality guy, fast, explosive, you know, uh, home run hitter. And, you know, yeah. we saw that we saw that Alabama and you can see, you know, flashes of it now. Hasn't been getting as many touches as I think a lot of the fans and stuff will want to see. But I feel like over the course of the season, I think he'll get what he needs. I think David Montgomery has been running the ball well. And I think they like that because it's more of a downhill run behind a big O-line that they love. And so that opens up the play action passes and that opens up more things that they can do once Jameer Gibbs does get in the game. And so I don't have a problem with them not overloading him early in the season. He's only a rookie. Let him continue to learn, develop, play, get more and more acclimated to the NFL game. And, hey, keep him fresh. You're going to need him down the stretch for a playoff run because once it gets colder outside and, and it starts getting the weather games, you're going you're gonna to definitely have to run the ball more. So having David Montgomery or fresh Jameer Gibbs, all these guys, it'll definitely come into play down the line. You mentioned that that big O line, uh, Penny Sewell has been playing outside of its mind. But the O line in, in in general, just just talk about what they're doing, both in the um, you know the run game and in the passing game, to allow uh, this line's offense to just find success both through the air and on the ground. Well, I mean, you know, the thing about the O line is, honestly, man. It's the most unsexiest draft pick, but right. 
the 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 best thing when you look back on it. I remember a few years consecutively, the Dallas Cowboys were taking taking O linemen, and everybody was like, "Why are they taking these O linemen?" And then for a while, they had the top O line in the league, and Zeke and Demarco Murray and all those guys just yeah. rushing for yards after yards after yards, and it's like, oh. Man, I'm glad we got this good old line. Well, you're glad you got the good old line. You just didn't right. like the draft picks, right? Well, it's kind of been the same thing for Detroit, right? They drafted Taylor Decker, and then, you know, they drafted Frank Ragnow and Penny Sewell. And, you know, you get all these guys hiding the draft, and they don't seem like sexy draft picks because everybody wants to see the running backs or the receivers or the corners. The center. <laughs> the D line, right? Who's thinking about the center, right? But, you have to get these guys and you have to commit to that. And that's an identity of your team to say, Hey, we're going to make sure that our O-line is legit because if our O-line is legit, that means we can pass protect for our quarterback and give him time to throw the ball and we can run the ball. And we want to be a team that can run the ball. We don't want to be a team that has to throw the ball 45 times a game because we can't run block. Right. Because when you can't run, even though you got a good old line, if they know you're going to pass the ball, those pass rushes are going to tee off on you, and it's going to be tough anyway. So fans know about that, right? So investing in the old line is not sexy, but a couple years down the road, is 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 exactly what you need. And I think that's what they've done. And they got some great guys on the old line. They they play hard. They play cohesively together. They understand their roles. I mean, they got some guys that they're big um, and they fit exactly what Detroit wants to do. Have a big O-line and just maul you, power you, gritty, nasty, dirty. That's that's tempo. what they are and, and that's how they play. Yeah, they set the temperature up front um, and, and set the tempo for everything else going. Football's one of the trenches. You know, we know if you can't get after a quarterback and he's got all day to throw, he can pick you apart. If you can't block, then the defense can pick you apart. We know that's the thing. Speaking with temperatures, what is the temperature of this game up in Detroit? Uh, you know, I think Bucks fans think this is a big test, right? Um, again, not as not as dominant as a team as the 49ers, the Eagles right now. Um, you look at some of the competition they've played. Um, you know, they've got the win against the Chiefs, but that first game of the year is always tricky. Um, then the overtime win against Seattle, and then lesser competition wins. You know, Packers are still one of those. What are they? We don't know yet. They just lost to the Raiders last night. Um, but what's the temperature on this game? Are Lions fans looking at it and saying, oh, this is an easy win? Are they looking at it and saying, well, the Bucks have played surprisingly well. This is going to be a good test for us. What's the talk about this game in Detroit? Well, I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, I, I think the Lions fans, we're really focused on on the Lions, but we do understand that this Tampa team is 3-1. They've played good football. They've always pretty, played pretty solid defensively. Um, and Baker Mayfield has looked, you know, better than probably what most people expected, right? He's looked well. He's, he's manned the offense. You know, you still got a Mike Evans who, you know, didn't get the contract that he that he wanted, but he's still going out playing, right? He's going out playing. He's putting up numbers. He's catching passes. They're coming off a bye week. So we're not expecting to, to for this to be an easy game, right? You don't just fall to three and one. You, you've won three games in the NFL. That's that's tough. And so right. I think for I think for the Lions, we understand that this is a good test for us too, right? We're going on the road, um, playing ah. against the NFC, 
playing against a good NFC team. And like you said, the Lions are probably not in the same category at this point as you would put the 49ers and those guys. But they are, they are a good team. And I think the Bucs aren't one of those teams that you would put in the lower echelon in the NFC or the upper echelon, but they are a good team as well. And so this would be a good matchup of two good teams to kind of see who's really taking the next step and who still has some things to work on. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. You mentioned the bye week there. Uh, and I'm curious, as a former player, how much does that help? Uh, you know, How much does it help to kind of get that extra week to prepare uh, and scout for a team? And on the flip side, when you're playing a team that has that extra week, how much can that hinder your performance too? How much? Well, you get an extra bye week for a player. You don't get an extra week to prepare. Um, I mean, unless you want to, but I mean, I'm pretty sure Tampa Bay last last week when they went on their bye, I mean, they probably, let me say they played on Sunday. So, and I don't know how teams do their bye weeks this year. I mean, nowadays, but you generally come in on Monday, like a normal week, mm-hmm. review the game from the last week. And depending on how your coaches are and what they want to get done that week, this being early in the season when y'all had you guys' bye, I'm pretty sure that they probably practiced a couple of days because it's still early. Maybe not the starters, but, you know, some of your backups and your practice squad guys getting some reps. So sometimes they'll give you Tuesday off and then you come back and you practice maybe Wednesday, Thursday, and then they let you go home Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Or sometimes, you know, you may be off on Tuesday or you may work Tuesday and go home Wednesday. But it's not like you're sitting there spending time going over the Detroit Lions. You're spending the bye week working on yourself. What are things that we've done well um, in these games? What are things that we need to work on or improve that we haven't done well in these games? And you spend that week kind of watching that stuff on film. That's why it's tough when you have an early bye week because you only got four. You only played four games, right? Right. Um, so the guys really aren't, like, tired, like if it was, like, week nine or eight or something like that. Right. But you kind of spend that time going over your own team, your own stuff, self-scouting, what are teams doing against us, how are teams hurting us. And then you go home and take a break. And, yeah, you probably watch the Lions game on TV on Sunday, but probably not because you're enjoying your break and you got to travel back probably because you got to be there for Monday. And Mm -hmm. then Monday is kind of when you get, like, what we call a one-day head start, really. You know what I'm saying? You kind of come in on Monday and kind of do an overview of the team that you're playing and what they're going to be doing. And you probably go out and practice on Monday, but you still probably haven't put in – all of the game plan you just going over some general stuff and still working on yourself and then you come back wednesday and now you're ready right but you've already got a little introduction of the players of the system and stuff like that so you can really dive deeper on that wednesday whereas the other teams played on sunday so on monday they're going over the game tuesday they're off wednesday they're just now getting the introduction to who you are and they're still sore from the game, so their practice on Wednesday may not be as streamed. Walk through or something. Right. Whereas you got a head start on Monday, got a little intro to the system and their players. So on Wednesday, you're already ahead and you're fresh, so your practice Wednesday is going to be 
a good high speed practice getting ready to go. But you don't get a whole the players don't take a whole extra week to study right. for one team. It's you know, mostly that. coaches and stuff like that. They're looking right. at, and that way prepared for Monday and they'll still taking their time off. Right. Uh, I, I'm close with a lot of guys on the team. I know a lot of them went back. Obviously Baker was a big one, but a lot of them went back to their schools for rivalry games and stuff like that. Some people went on little vacations and stuff. But uh, as far as that first couple of days of self-scouting, um, and we'll get back on track with the game preview, but while well, I've got you here, um, self-scouting, how beneficial is that? And how how much did you think that like you got out of it um, when you got your bye week? Even if it was early, if it was late, didn't matter. Like, what did, How much did you get out of that to – and how much of an improvement did you see after that? Well, that's the good thing. That's the only good thing about having it early and being three and one is the fact that you can kind of scout yourself early and kind of see what we're doing well, what we're not doing well, what runs are hurting us, what passes are hurting us. Because it's a copycat league. If right. you get beat on a play in week one, some that, that next team, week two, they're going to find a way to run that same play, right? right. It's in their playbook some kind of way. It, does, it doesn't take much for them to design it, right? If you get beat on some runs and you have a problem stopping the downhill runs or you having a problem stopping the outside, they're going to run those same plays. So right. being able to figure out early what we're doing wrong, why is it happening so that we can get it fixed, so we can prevent it going, you know, going ahead is a good thing because sometimes you have a bye week by week 10 well, you may be five well, and five at that point. You are what you are. <laughs> right. And now it's like, well, this has been hurting us all season. Yeah, but we don't already lost four games because of it. Whereas right. if you can catch it early, maybe you can stop and put out some of those fires. But I think it's always good to kind of look at yourself and see what you're doing well, what you're not doing well, kind of like how you're playing early in the season so you can kind of correct it or, you know, improve on it going forward. And personally, like as a player individually, uh, less as like a team standpoint, like what do you watch? Are you watching technique? Are you watching, uh, you know, I did this, like top of the season receiver at the top of the route. They do this. I need to be able to, like, what, what do you learn personally as a player? Then it's the same thing for you as a player, looking at your game, you know, very critically and being able to say, okay, I've been playing really well these first four games. And not getting caught up on the fact that I've been playing really well, but looking at why have I been playing really well? You know what I'm saying? My communication has been good. My open field tackling has been good. My route recognition has been good. All those things has been good. That's why I've been playing really well. Or vice versa. I haven't been playing good. I feel like I'm I'm a step off out there. I just can't find my rhythm. So you're looking at it as a corner. Maybe, maybe my stance feels a little weird. My hands... My hands haven't been good. You know what? I'm not. I'm not. Rec- I'm not seeing his breaks coming out the break point. All these little things that you can kind of take a very good critical look at yourself to try to figure out why am I playing good or why am I playing bad. So it's always very beneficial to be able to take some time. And most of the time, when you're not playing well, you want to have that bye week, yeah. so you can take some time and figure out when you're playing well. You don't really want that bye week. You want to keep playing because I'm playing. I don't want a week off. Like, I want right. to keep going. Like, I've been falling. Right. I'm <laughs> in my zone right now. Don't give me a week off. I want to keep playing. So, um, that's just kind of how it is as a player. Yeah, it's tough for the Bucs. They got the week five bye. 
And then two weeks later, they play Buffalo on on um, Thursday Night Football. So their mini buy is like two weeks after their full buy. So then they're just playing like 10 straight games to end the season without that buy or mini buy. It's going to be tough for them. Shifting back to the game, though, um, if the Bucks offense is going to be successful against this Detroit Lions defense, where should they attack? What are I don't want to say the weak points, but where are the the areas that they need to attack to be able to move the ball? Man, I, well, I, I would just say, you know, just looking at how it's been the first few games, they're going to have to try to make sure that they can pass protect and, and try to attack the lines in the secondary. Um, although they've caught um, a couple interceptions recently with Jerry Jacobs, um, I don't think Cam Sutton has any interceptions. And he's played solid coverage um, all year. But I don't think he has any interceptions and none of the safeties. I don't think Tracy or Kirby has any interceptions. Um, so I think you would have to try to attack the linebackers and the and the secondary and pass coverage. They they run defense has been really solid. You know, they've played, they're they're probably a top team in in run defense. So I don't know if they'll be able to just come out and just run the ball on them like that. But I think if they can, you know, run the ball, mix in some play action. They have been hurt a few times on play action, especially with tight ends and and you know things with with the linebackers because you're trying to get up on that run game and you know the the linebackers can I mean the, the tight ends can get in behind you or receivers and things like that but that would be you know how I would probably feel like you have to attack them because I think you know like I said run defense wide has been playing well and then if they get up on you and you get in the in the obvious passing situation those guys are rushing pretty good, and and it, and it could be a, a long day for you. So, I think they had to kind of you know run the ball and try to attack play action with the linebackers and and take shots with the secondary. Yeah, you look at it. You know the lines, cornerbacks really in secondary as a whole really hasn't been tested all that much by a top tier receiving duo or tandem since the Seattle game, and that's the game they lost in overtime. Um, with guys like Lockett and, and Metcalf. Now they got Chris Godwin and hopefully a he- healthy Mike Evans. We'll learn more about his status throughout the week. But that's is that a concern that these guys aren't tested? I mean, you look at, I mean, Dubs is good. I don't think Watson was healthy when they played them. Um, you look at last week, you know, Adam Thielen, who they're no stranger to, um, but DJ Chark, those guys aren't, you know, needle movers in that situation right. either. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, is that somewhere like, you're looking at like these guys aren't tested that much. This is an area of concern we need to watch out for. Right. It's definitely going to be a big challenge for him. I mean, Mike Evans is a perennial Pro Bowl guy, top big dog wide receiver that they're going to have to make sure that they understand where he's at and, and make sure that they are not letting him get going. And Chris Godwin is another big time player. Um, so they have some big time weapons and this will probably be the the best receiver duo that they've seen all year. Um, just being honest with you. So it's going to be a huge test for him. And so that's why, you know, you got to be able to play defense as a team. You got to be able to get a good pass rush so that Baker can't sit back there and just pick us apart. Um, and then offensively, you got to score points as well. So it's going to be a good test. And like I said, going down to Tampa, going to be a good road test, tough yeah. environment. It's going to be hotter. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely something to be concerned about. And I'm sure that they are, you know, talking about it and making pre- preparations for that and, and coming up with a good game plan to uh, to try to slow those guys down. Now, flip side, Bucks defense has been really good so far. Um, you know, they've got playmakers at every level. You look at on the feet of Vea, 
Levante David, Devin White, Antoine Winchell Jr. has been playing out of his mind, uh, solid corners as well. How does this Bucks defense slow down what the Lions are trying to accomplish on offense? What's their, what is their kind of, if they're going to attack somewhere, where is, is, is that going to be? Well, like you said, you guys have, you know, historically had a good defense, right? And the defense has been playing well. And most of the time when you have a, a quarterback that's not one of those guys that you consider a top four or five quarterback, most of the time they win because they manage the game well and you got a really good defense, right? I mean, the Jets are halfway alive because they got a good defense, right? And so you guys' defense – um has been playing well and that 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 allows the offense to be able to methodically pick his part his, his spots take shots here and there let the defense create turnovers and things like that but i think you know this line's offense is very 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 explosive but the thing that you got to do you got to stop the run game if you let the run game get going it's going to be very difficult just because of the play action game and the amount of weapons that they have, and they don't mind running the ball. They will run it down your throat, and the minute that you sell out to stop that, it's like they call the play action at the perfect time. And so I think, as with most offenses or with most defenses as well, you got to go into the game feeling like we got to take away the run game. We got to take away the run game. And if you can do that, now, yes, they got weapons uh, in the past game, especially if Amon Ross St. Brown is able to go. Jameer Gibbs is back. I don't know. It's a hamstring. So I don't really know how that's going to work out. Soft tissue. But if, you can, but if you can just get them into a passing situation, you like your chances. You like your chances because now you know you can just tee off and, and go and get after the quarterback. So it will be very interesting to see how they try to attack the run game and the game plan that the Lions come out with to attack the Tampa defense. You, you look at that Lions defense, the pressure they've been able to get on quarterbacks has, has been a big reason why they've won so so much. You know, Trishan Wirfs, I don't think they've faced an offensive line as good as the Buccaneers have, surprisingly, but Trishan Wirfs has been an all-pro left tackle, making that move from right side. And surprisingly, uh, one of the biggest surprises, Luke Gedeke on that right side, testing out, grading out as a top 25 tackle in the league uh, on the right side. If they can limit that pressure from the Lions, how else can Detroit attack you other than that pressure from up front on the defensive side? Well, I mean, that's that's going to be the thing. If they can limit that pressure, then, you know, if they're not getting pressure on the quarterback, it's, it could be a long day for them. I mean, we saw that in with Seattle. You know what I'm saying? Geno Smith only got sacked one time, and it was right at before the two-minute warning. It was just kind of like a fluke type of play. Right. Um, they weren't able to get pressure on Geno Smith, and they had supposedly two uh, backup tackles playing that game. And they weren't able to generate pressure. I think a little bit of it was game planning and play calling, what they were doing defensively that game. Um, ever since that game, they've kind of went away from what they were doing and, and been more attacking. Um but, yeah, if they can't get pressure on the quarterback, it's going to be very difficult because it's going to open up more throwing lanes and have more time for the quarterback to throw the ball. And when you're throwing the ball to guys like Mike Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you don't want to consistently right. be under that pressure of, you know, defending those guys. 
Um, so we'll have to see how they how they come out. I know, you know, we've we've fared pretty well against Tampa in the past. Um, but this is a this is a this is a good Tampa team. It's a new Tampa team. And so we'll see how it goes. It should be a really good matchup, though. Definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, like I said, I think this is like a big, a good test for both of these teams. Um, you know, they've got a good offense, good defense. One thing the Buccaneers haven't been able to do is kind of put points on the board at a, at a, at a really good rate. They're currently averaging under 20 points a, a game. That's not going to cut it. I don't think with this um, dynamic offense that the Lions have, I think they're going to have to. I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game because I think both of these defenses um, can do a lot of things to kind of take things away. Uh, but I do think it's a game where I don't know if 20 points on either side is going to be enough to win this game. Um, right. But I know it's early in the week. I don't want to put you to it. You don't have to give a score prediction if you don't want to. But how are you feeling either way uh, on this one? Obviously, you're a Lions guy. But um, how are you feeling? Do you think it's going to be a close game, a blowout either way? What are your thoughts on on what this game's going to look like when the whistle blows on uh, on Sunday. I, I think it'll definitely be a, a close competitive game. Um, you know, just going based off of, you know, what I feel, you know, it's, I mean, it's hard to do these things because it's, you know, you, I mean, how do you pick against your own team, right? Especially right. When, they're, when they're a good team, right? It'd be, oh, hard oh. guys, it'd be hard for you guys to pick against. I mean, unless they're, I mean, when they're playing, com, you know, a comparable team, you know, it's hard to say, well, Tampa's going to win this game or, you know. Um, right. But I think it would be a, a close competitive game. I think it would probably be within like like a one-score game. Um, I mean, I'm going to give the Lions the edge. I think they I think they can take their show on the road. Um, Score-wise, I may, and I may change yeah, the of course. more I think about it throughout the week. Early enough, but I could, but I could see it being something like 24 17, 24 21, you know, 27 21, somewhere yeah. in that in Sounds that range. Good. Three, right. three score, I mean, three points, you know, a field goal here, there, or you know, what I'm saying something like that. I, I can see, I can see that. Like I said, I'm just giving Tampa defense some credit. I think the Lions have scored over 20 points in 14 straight games. So I think they'll get over 20, but I can't I don't know if they'll be able to get 35 like they've, you know, been right. doing, you know, on the road against a good against a good defense. So I give them 24 to 27 and I and I think Tampa yes. could score and and be around 21 to 24 or, or you know, 27 30 somewhere in that range. Yeah, I I'm right there with you. I'm at 27 24. I don't know yet. Before right. the season I had this as a loss. I think I need to just see more injury status and who's playing, who's not, uh, before I can lean one way or the other. I do think it's going to be close. So three points, I, I think, it is a good, you know, indication. Maybe you know six points somewhere around there. Um, I think these two teams are evenly matched, and it's just going to come down who who can play mistake-free football, who can get that pressure on the quarterback, who can establish the run game. The Lions have done it a hell of a lot better than the Bucks have been able to, um, but the. It, it's it's going to be, I think, just a hard-nosed thought. Throw it back to the NFC Central type years, you know, when these two teams used to battle each other. I think they've had over like 60 games together. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, though. I'm glad it got moved to the national game, kind of spotlight on both of these teams. De facto, another de facto national game for the Lions as well, who are just becoming kind of like America's darlings, and you have the Bucks as America's surprise team. So it's like it, it, 
and the, the cream skulls are back, so it's going to be a lot of fun too um, for fans and, and for people who have been dying to see them for a year uh, for a few years. But yeah, close game. I think it's going to be, um, and it, we'll see who wins. But I think there's going to be a lot of fun and excitement on both sides. Fun and excitement. I've had a lot of fun with you. It's been exciting to break down this team. It's been awesome having you on here. I love getting former players' perspectives too, and it's awesome to see you know that jump to the media side of things. It, it's it's a different world, right? On this side, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's cool, man. I, I mean, I love talking. I love talking football. I mean, right. doing the media stuff, you know, it forces me to watch it even more right. closely. Sometimes, you know, it, you just kind of like watching the games, but when you know you got to talk about them and be able to 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 you know report on them, you got to like you know I got to pay attention to what's going on. And then it helps you really see, like, okay, well, these guys are pretty good. Oh, they're not very good. And, you know, the last the last two games, my score predictions have been right right on. I mean, I had the, I had the Lions beating Carolina 42 to 10, and it was 42 to 10, and they gave up two, two cheap touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And, Doesn't count. You know what I'm saying? But it was 42 to 10. And then I think the week before I had them, who they play? Atlanta? Uh, I yeah. think I had them 30, I think I said it would be 34-14. And it was 34-14 until they kicked their little cheap field goal at the right. very end and made it 34-17. So, not too bad. Post-career, is it, like, is it, is it different being in the like, Do you, like, look back and, like, oh, you know, these guys, did you – because I don't know how you were. Like, you know, some you know some players, you go in the locker room, some players are really friendly with the media, daff them up, what's going on, they know them by name. Other people are like, oh. Y'all want me to talk? All right, let's talk. You know, how are you in the locker room, and how is that like? Do you have a different appreciation now? Like, kind of. Oh man, I was, I was great with the media. I had um. So what I did was I created, I created my own media time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so what I used to do was Wednesdays, Wednesdays. I used to call it Soundbite Wednesdays. (laughs) Seriously, I used to call it Soundbite Wednesdays. And media availability when I was in Detroit. And I started doing this when I was in Houston. But I, I picked up, did even more when I was in uh, Detroit. But Wednesdays, say media availability would start, let's just say, I don't know, 12, 15 or something like that. Yeah. And you had like 45 minutes, I think, right? In the locker room, yep. So I would be in the locker room 12, 14. Right, <laughs> whatever it is, I won't walk in to probably twelve fourteen because I'm gonna go eat lunch because I know once I come in the locker room it's gonna it's be on. over. Right, but I would sit in my locker and I would talk to the media for the whole forty five minutes. Really, that's awesome. You can ask me anything, talk about anything for the whole forty five minutes. Sound by Wednesday, I'm letting you have it. I'm gonna give you. Good, bad, ugly, win, loss, three interceptions, no picks, get beat, turn, whatever it is. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to talk to you for 45 minutes, whatever you got. Thursday, not talking. Don't Friday, talk not talking. Right. Not talking because Fridays I used to get out of there early because I had my massages every Friday when I got out of practice. So I didn't have time to talk to the media on Fridays unless I had to do like a production meeting with like a team or something like that. Right. But just normal media, not talking on Fridays, not talking on Thursdays. But I'm going to give you all 45 minutes on Wednesday. So and then I'm going to talk to you after the games. That's kind of how it was. So I, 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 I had no problem with the media. 
they they understood it they respected it so when i came in there on wednesdays it'd be every person in the media would be standing around my locker waiting because they know he's going to talk for 45 minutes and <laughs> you know they'll come and get their quick hitters or the ones that wanted quick hitters and then they'll go find and talk to somebody else and then it'd be some that'll wait for everybody to leave and then they'll come and ask like just little smaller questions that wanted to you know write stories and buy other things or whatever but i'm like hey i'm i'm, I'm giving y'all all 45 today right. i felt like that's better than giving you 10 today 10 tomorrow 10 thursday i mean friday that's only 30 minutes i'm giving you 45 right right today you know where to find me every you wednesday just gotta, you just got to get it all in today some something can't happen at practice on thursday or in the or in the sports world on thursday and now you want to talk to me about it on friday nope Nope. No response. No comment. <laughs> I'm giving it to you on Wednesday, though. If you want it, get it next Wednesday. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's funny. That's great. Well, hey, Glover, thanks. I, I want to appreciate, you know, thank you and appreciate the time you took today uh, to preview this Bucks Lions matchup. Like I said, I think it's going to be a fun, close game. Both of these two teams look like they're on the up and up. You know, they've got good wins, but they've also got some questionable wins against weaker opponents. So I think this is going to be a real good test for these two. But I want to thank you again. You can find him at the Believe in Lions podcast. Check him out there. Check him out on his Twitter, um, at Glove. What's the Twitter? I forget. Glover Quinn Jr. Glover, at Glover Quinn Jr. Find all of his stuff there. Former Pro Bowler, former All-Pro for the Detroit Lions, breaking it down here on Pirate Parlay. Thank you again so much. And, you know, maybe we'll see each other later in the season. Who knows? I'm pretty sure we will. All right. I'll talk to you then, man. Have a great one and uh, keep doing your thing. All right, man. Thank you, guys. There you guys have it. Another edition of the Pirate Parlay podcast presented by the Sick Podcast Network going inside and behind enemy Lions and the Detroit Lions with a former Lions player who knows the team very well uh, in Glover Quinn. So I want to thank him. I want to thank you guys for tuning in every week. Obviously, uh, make sure you guys are liking, subscribing, uh, finding that Twitter channel um, and and going on there, following us there because we'll be dropping out cool snippets uh, of each of each interview every week. So I want to thank you guys always for tuning in to another episode of Pirate Parlay. Follow us, like, subscribe, follow me on Twitter at JC Allen NFL. Make sure you're following Sports Illustrated at Bucks Game Day uh, for all of your content leading up to game week. And with that, we're out of here. Peace. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast Pirate Parlay on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.